<laughs> oh, goodness. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, our, our text this morning, um, starting, we're starting here in, in verse 1. We have been over the last several weeks talking about prayer. And not just prayer, but talking about being ready and prepared for the day of battle. We finished up Ephesians chapter 6, uh, that study, and I've been praying about where the Lord would take me uh, from this. And we finished up last week looking at this idea, looking at the, uh, that, yes, there is a need for us to be armored, but it doesn't do any good to, to wear the armor of God if we're not going to fight the battle of God. And the battle that we fight is fought on our knees. That's why at the end of the armor of God, the last piece of the armor is given to us, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, he says, praying always. The very next step in that is prayer. And listen, if we're going to do anything, if we're going to do anything for God on this earth spiritually, we're going to have to fight against a, or fight a spiritual battle. It says that in verse 12, that we fight or that we wrestle not against flesh or blood. But I don't want you to think that the only reason we pray is because we're in a spiritual battle. In fact, it doesn't do any good to fight uh, through prayer if you don't know how to fight. Has anybody ever got themselves into a fight uh, and you didn't know what you were doing? It never ends well. It always ends with you end up getting hurt. And, and so we talk about defending ourselves through, the, the, through prayer, through the Word of God. And, uh, but listen, uh, you know what gets you to the point when you're ready to, to fight or ready to battle? It's based upon practice. Lots and lots of practice. You don't just go out there and fight just because you're dressed for the fight. It takes practice. And I'm going to tell you, if you're going to fight a, a strong battle spiritually, it's going to be based upon a lifestyle of prayer. It isn't going to be that you pray just when things are bad. And uh, by the way, excuse me for a second, I'm going to change this because I'm already messing with it. Now you have to look at my ugly face too. This one doesn't get sucked in my mouth. All right. It's based, it's based upon a, 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 a lifestyle of prayer. It, it isn't just that we pray when things are tough, we pray when things are hard, but it's just like we said last Sunday afternoon, that we're always praying. And, and listen, it's, it's okay to do a lot of something, but you know what's best? To do it well. And I believe, and one of the struggles that we have as Christians is that, well, we may pray, but do we always pray well? And I'll be honest with myself, or for myself, I struggle. Everybody struggles with that. I don't believe anybody prays as well as we could. Let's look at Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, and it came to pass, as he was praying, that's Jesus, by the way, in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Let's pray for a moment. God, I, I ask for your help. Lord, you know that I can't do this without you. Lord, you know that I have no ability to, to encourage or strengthen or convict. That's the work of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would help me to empty me of myself, Lord, and Lord, you'd fill me. 
God, I pray that you give me the very words to speak. Lord, I pray that our hearts, the hearts of everyone, would be open and tender to the moving of your spirit. And God, I pray that your spirit would have your way with us. God, we need you. I ask this in Jesus', Jesus precious name. Amen. Have you ever heard somebody pray that just got the ear of God? We hear a lot of people pray. We'll ask people to pray. Uh, some people uh, have great oratory. I'm not sure I'm using the correct word, but you know what I'm saying. They, they, they know how to use the $50 words. And they, and they have great uh, presence. And almost, it almost seems like a, a God must hear them. And then you'll hear others that struggle with their words and, and, and the ability to get those things out. And, 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 and listen, uh, one of the problems, and we'll talk about that uh, later, is uh, this afternoon, I hope you come back. But one of the problems is we get, sometimes get caught up in, in who's hearing us pray. And listen, if we're thinking more about the person who's hearing us pray versus the one who we're supposed to be praying to, I don't know that God, that's a very powerful prayer. Uh, but, so, but that comes based upon how much we pray in our secret place. I just sang the song about uh, the secret place. And listen, that is the place of prayer. That is the place of communion with God, a place where, where you can come to him and, and, and cry out for, for your help. Uh, you can lift him up and praise him. That You can do all different kinds of things and pray for others. Listen, God has given us that place. In fact, Hebrews tells us that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. I am so thankful, and it's not because of us. It's not because you're so good, we're so good, or we're, we're good Baptists, or we're good anything. It's all because of Jesus Christ that we can come to him in prayer, because of what Christ did for us. We stand justified. He looks at us, and he sees the righteousness of Christ. He doesn't see me or my mistakes. Praise God, I thank him for it. But that secret place that we have in, it should be a place that we, that we live and that we dwell. And, and listen, when you hear somebody who, who has, has spent their life in that place, getting a hold of the ear of God, and God answers, there, there is something. that When you hear somebody pray like that, it almost humbles you. It, it, you're in, like, man, I wish I could play like that or pray like that. I believe that Jesus prayed like that. I, I, I listen. I, I, he's, he, the Bible says he's here. He's praying, and he lived a life of prayer. We're going to look at that in a moment. Uh, but, but the disciples have heard him pray, and I'm sure this isn't the the first time, and, and it certainly isn't the last time that they've heard him pray or that they hear him pray. But they, they're listening to him, and something just inspires them to say, "Lord, will you teach us to pray?" Now they didn't interrupt him. When, when somebody's doing something amazing, you don't interrupt them. You stand back and wait till they're finished. And that's exactly what they did. It, was, it must have been a fearful thing. But, but they asked Jesus to teach them. Now, i got a question for you. If you're trying to learn basketball, who learned to play basketball, who are you going to ask to teach you to play? I can guarantee you one thing. You won't be asking me. Because, well, I don't know how to play basketball. Well, I know, but I'm not very good at it. If you, if you want to build something, if you want to, uh, to, to, to learn how to do carpentry, do you come to me? No? You find a good carpenter. If you want to learn heating and cooling or, 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 or plumbing or, or how to fix cars or motorcycles, if you know somebody, I appreciate Mike because when I got my motorcycle and it needed some work done, I didn't just try to fix it myself. I went to Mike St. Amand who did, did it all for me. He's awesome. 
he got it running. It, it's great. I love it. I, I'm not counting the days till I can put a boat in the water. I'm going to count the days till I can put my helmet on and go riding down the road. It, it, I'm looking forward to that, right? Uh, but, but listen, you go to the one who really knows what they're doing. You go to the expert. If you had the chance, would you ask Michael Jordan to teach you a few pointers if you were trying to play basketball? Of course you would. You, you'd, you'd love the opportunity to have Michelangelo teach you how to paint. Not the Ninja Turtle for you little guys. They heard Jesus pray. And they didn't say, I'm just going to copy that. They knew that they could say the same things he did, but it wouldn't matter as much. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus Christ had a, had a prayer life that was beyond anybody else. It was a beyond, uh, we're going we're gonna to look through the scripture and look at this, but he had a life of prayer. If, if anybody could get a hold of the ear of God, it was Jesus Christ. And listen, he didn't just know how to do it. He needed to do it. We're going to look at that as well. Uh, listen, but he, uh, if he needed it, how much more do we need to pray? Listen, if we, if we stop and think about spending this, this lifestyle of prayer and being in a constant state of prayer, uh, praying without ceasing, as Paul says, listen, we need to go to the source and not just try to wing it. If I tried to fix my motorcycle, you know where my motorcycle would be? All over my garage. Actually, not probably not. I don't have any tools to fix it. It'd just still be sitting there not running. I'm thankful that we have someone that we can go to who will teach us. If prayer was important in the life of Christ, how much more important is it for us? Turn back a few chapters to Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Luke chapter 5, verse 16, we see this. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Again, he is Jesus. The previous verses are talking about how his fame is being spread abroad and, and people are coming to him for healing. And listen, there was things to do. There was much busyness going on and, and, and he withdrew himself. He, he stole away. He snuck away. He slipped away. He said, listen, I know there's, there's much to do, but even though I'm Jesus. And remember, we got to talk about, we're going to talk about for a minute who Jesus was. He's not just a man. He's God in the flesh. But many times when we're talking about his needs for prayer, we think, well, he's God. He's got the ability to pray. He's, he was God. He could do all those things. Listen, yes, he's God. The Bible says, in him dwelt all the fullness of the, of the Godhead bodily. But for the first time, he was something that he'd never been before. He was also man. He was in the flesh. He hungered. He thirsted. He was tempted just like we are. Say, well, he was God, though. He was flesh. All the things that we struggle with, yes, the, he, the Godhead dwelt within him. Yes, he, he was God, 
from the beginning. In fact, the Bible says in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God. Uh, it goes on to tell us that, uh, that with, by Him was everything made. Without Him, uh, nothing would have been made that was made. He was there at the very beginning. He was there before the beginning. Uh, the Bible says that, uh, that before in Revelations, before the foundation of the earth, the Lamb was slain. Listen, uh, he, was, he was always there. Uh, he continues to hold, with, hold this world together. Uh, it's, uh, he is God. But he's also a man. And we see that in no better place than, than in the Garden of Gethsemane where he pr prayed and cried and said, not my will, but thine be done. We, we, we pushed that flesh part off of him so much because of the miracles and all those other things that we did. But understand, he did that because God led him to do it. He did it because the Spirit of God empowered him to do it. And as such, he is our greatest example. The greatest model, because he submitted himself to the authority of the Father. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. He yielded himself to the leadership of the Spirit. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. Yes, he was God. And I'm not trying to take away his deity. Listen, there are too many, too many false religions out there that try to take the deity away from Jesus. And listen, I'll stand here until my dying day telling you that Jesus Christ was God, is God, and will always be God. But while he was here on this earth, he was in a body of flesh with the same limitations that you and I have. It wasn't until he was glorified he could walk through doors. Right? After his resurrection, he received his glorified body. Then he walked through the doors. Say, well, he was God. He could have done it. Not unless God told him to. We'll get to that. I'm getting ahead of myself. Notice here, Jesus' need to withdraw himself to pray. Listen, there is a need for us to withdraw ourselves. Come back this afternoon. We're, we're going to just go by this stuff very quickly. And this afternoon, I, I, I pray that you come back. It's all really all one message, but it's a long message, so not keep you here forever, and we're going to split it into two, but listen, there, there are some things, that uh, practical things that we need to do that, that uh, help us uh, to, to be able to live a life of prayer just like Jesus did. And we're going we're gonna to look at those things. And, and, and so, so come back to that. But Jesus knew that he needed to withdraw himself. And yes, he could have prayed right there in the middle of everything, but he withdrew himself. He got away from the things that, that were going on. He got away from people. He got away from the world. And there, we have a need to do the same thing. If Jesus did it, how much more should we do it? He withdrew himself to pray. Look Again, back to verse 16 of chapter 5. It says, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness. He got away from the city. He got away from the noise. He got away from all the things that were going on. Listen, there are a lot of things going on in people's lives today. There's a lot of stuff going on. You cannot get away from the noise. My wife hates noise. And when I say noise, everything to her is noise. If the kids are watching TV, that's noise. And hey, listen, I, I get it. I try to turn on music. And you know what she does? Shut that stuff off. It's just noise. No, it's not. It's music. It's, it's Christian music. No, just shut off. It's noise. She hates noise. She likes silence. But we have four kids. And you know what? There's never any silence. 
If you have children, you understand. If you've had children, you understand. It's, it's impossible to get away. So, so Jesus had to withdraw himself so that he could have a, 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 a prayer life. A constant, continuing prayer life. He withdrew himself into the mountains. There was, there was a lot that was going on just before that, the previous verse. Uh, uh, people were coming to him for healing, and his fame went abroad. And listen, we, we think about, uh, in our minds, I, I don't know about you, but I've always, when I think about the people coming for healing, I see people standing in line and waiting, kind of like, where at, when do you go to Target or Walmart? Well, more like Target, because at Walmart they fight. But in, in Target, you know, whatever you're going, you're going in there, and you're watching people stand in line, they're waiting their time, they're turning their, their patient, like when you go to the doctor's office, everybody sits there wait, waiting, the kids have places to play. Listen, when Jesus performed miracles and, and was healing people, and people were watching this happen, they are seeing somebody do something that nobody else could do. And everybody had issues. They had family members that were, that were, that, that were sick and couldn't be healed by the doctors at the time. They had, they had children that were dying. They were people that were blind that could, had never been able to see before. And here was an opportunity for them to be healed. Listen, they weren't standing in line. They, they weren't waiting quietly. They were throwing him just like when he was walking through the streets and he was thrown by the crowd and that woman crouched down and touched the hem of his garment and he stopped and he said, who touched me? And the disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody touched you. He said, no, virtue has gone out of me. While everybody was touching him, she touched him with faith, wanting healing. Listen, I, I believe as, as he was there, and the crowds were, were thronging to get at him, but he slipped away. He found a, found a place in, in where nobody else was so that he could spend time communing with the Father. And listen, for, for the child of God, this is the most important thing in your life or should be. Your ability to get away by yourself, away from the children, away from the cell phones, away from the TV and the radio and the noise, the, the news, all the stuff that's going on, and just spend time with God. Listen, there's all kinds of different way, times that we pray. We can pray together as family. We can pray together as a church. We can, we can pray, uh, we can pray uh, have somebody pray in the service. But all of those things, uh, they're built upon your solitary, silent place in your, 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 your closet where you spend time with God all alone. If the only time you pray is when other people can see you. Do I need to finish that sentence? If that's you. Are you saved? So you don't understand. I can never get away. Maybe you'd have to get away. A spouse. But we should all have a desire to get away. And we'll talk about that this afternoon. I don't want to get into that part of the message. He got away. Look over with me to, for, for some quiet time of rest and freshening time of prayer with the Lord or with the Father. Look over to Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. Matthew 14. Verse 23. Verse 23 says this. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. 
And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Now, this is right after the This is right after he fed the multitudes and sent the disciples away on the ship. He's all by himself. Again, he went to a mountain to pray. Luke chapter 16, verses 12 through 13. You don't need to turn there. You can if you want to and, and, and look at those verses. But there, uh, just just prior to his his uh, making a decision of, of who to, to call as his disciples. Listen, he had followers, lots of people that were following him. But it was the next day that he appointed his disciples. And he spent, the Bible says, all night in prayer. Yes, it was a big decision, and, and he didn't try to just pick people that he thought were, were well-liked by the crowd. He didn't pick them by their attributes or their, or, or, or their strengths. Honestly, I think he picked them by their weaknesses. But, but the truth is, the, the way he did it is he spent, he spent a night in prayer asking God to give him wisdom to, to show him who it was that he had been that the, the Father had chosen for him to have. Because in John chapter 17, he says, you gave them to me, and I haven't lost any of them except for the one, Judas, who we already knew. When's the last time we spent an entire night in prayer over a decision? Have, you, have we ever done that? Say, well, I don't have it all. I, I had lots of stuff to do. You don't think Jesus did? But he found it that important. Now, if Jesus found it that important, how much more should we? Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Many of us are familiar with this passage. Then came Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. And he saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And we know what took place in that garden. He asked the disciples to, to watch and pray. And then he went a little bit farther and prayed by himself. Now this was, uh, according to the gospel, uh, the gospels, that this was a place that he was wont to go to pray. That's how uh, that, that it wasn't. This wasn't the first time he prayed there. He went and prayed there a lot. But but the, he brought the disciples, the, the three disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John, along with him, and said, "Listen, stay here." Pray with me. I'm going to go over here and pray yonder. But he went apart and he prayed. And listen, during that time, we know that the greatest battle that was ever fought, that was fought right there, when he got up off of his knees, Satan was done. Because he prayed with great drops of blood coming from his pores. Lord, if, if there be any other way. And he wrestled with that. But in the end, he said, Father, not my will, but thine. See, well, it wasn't that much of a struggle for him. He's God in the flesh. Yes, it was a struggle. Think about it. Great drops of sweat or blood were coming from his pores. I've never been that stressed that I was bleeding, sweating blood. I don't think there's, I don't know of anybody that's, that's ever done it besides him. But he wrestled with that decision. 
Listen, hey, I am so thankful that when he, when he came to the end of that prayer, he said, not my will, but thine be done. Listen, it gives me hope. Because Satan doesn't have to win the victories. Jesus won it right there. There are too many Christians today that are struggling in their Christian life with some mountain that they can't overcome, with some battle that they have with addiction, with some, with some uh, battle that they have with sin. And they say, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. You can do it through the strength of Jesus Christ, but you need to wrestle in prayer. Too many times we'll pray once and say, okay, God, I prayed. Do it. Jesus taught them in Luke 18, 1, a, 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 a parable that said uh, that he was teaching them this, that they would learn to pray and not to faint. See, I asked God. I trust him. We read today the, the, the parable of the man knocking on the door as part of our scripture reading. And there was a word in there. Did you catch it? Importunity. What does it mean? Perseverance. Meaning... He didn't stop knocking until the guy gave him the bread. He says he didn't give it to him because he was because of his because they were friends. He gave it to him because he wouldn't stop knocking on the door. That was a parable teaching us how to pray. Too many times we'll initiate and begin prayer for something, salvation for somebody, a, a victory over a problem, and, but we don't wrestle with it. We don't hold on to it. We don't. We we give up before it's done. How did Jacob? blessed when he wrestled with God he wouldn't let it go he was wrestling God and God could have killed him God could have done any number of things but he would not let him go until God blessed him and listen he even touched the hollow of his thigh and put his hip out of joint and listen there was great pain and great cost because he never walked the same again he was limited in what he could do but he got that blessing Because he wrestled. Do we wrestle in prayer? Listen, if Jesus needed to wrestle, how much more do we need to wrestle in prayer? The Bible says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And listen, what's the time of that spiritual battle that we fight? Too much of us fight like this. You ever seen that kind of fight? I won't say girls fight like that, because I've seen girls throw. I've seen some girls with a wicked right hook. I'm not going to say girls fight like that, but I'll say that that's not really an effective way to fight. Sometimes that's how we pray, though. But Jesus needed it. How much more? Not only did Jesus live a life of prayer, Jesus taught on prayer. This afternoon we're going to look at a passage where Jesus is teaching on prayer, but for this, we don't have time. There's so much that Jesus taught on prayer that we'd be here all day. So, uh, but I will talk about a couple different, uh, a couple different passages here. One, Luke chapter 18, verse one. I've already uh, mentioned it here, but look, turn over to it. Luke 18, verse one says, "And he spake a parable again. He is Jesus, and to them, to this end." That men ought always to pray and not to faint. We just we just covered this, so I'm not going to beat this beat this down. But but listen, this was this was one of the greatest teachings that God, that Jesus Christ ever gave us uh, on prayer. Is that we that once we start praying, that you don't stop praying, that you just keep praying until God blesses. Uh, how many of you ever, have ever heard of George Mueller? If you've never heard of George Mueller, go 
go find a library, go get on Amazon. You can read the autobiography of George Mueller's life. He was a man of prayer. He started out as a, as a young man uh, running away from God. He, was, uh, he, stole, he swindled people out of money. Uh, he, he was just a, a, bad, a bad guy as a teenager. But he got saved. And God called him to preach. And, and, and he, went to, he went to Bible college. His father pretty much told him, listen, you're, you're on your own. I'm not paying for anything. You want to go, you go, to, the, go to the seminary and learn to be a preacher? You go do it on your own. So he went and did it. He, he learned uh, to, to trust in the Lord instead of trusting in others. As a pastor, the first pastor that he took, he was married. He had, he had a young wife. And the first church that he, that he took, um, it was just a small church. They came in and said, listen, we, we can pay you this much. He said, I don't want your money. Wouldn't you all like if I said that? I don't want your money. I want the God to take care of me. The Bible teaches us how to do it. And, and I'll throw this out there. You're trying, I'm not trying to backpedal. He said that this wasn't the way that the Bible teaches him to live. He believed God was using him as an example for other people to, for, to, to grow their faith. So it's in his journal, not in his autobiography. I'm not saying that you can read it for yourself. He said, I don't want your money. He was, he was if people want to help, if, if God lays it upon their heart, there's a box. Just put this box in the back. And if Lord lays it on somebody's heart, they can drop something in to help take care of us. But that's only if God tells them to. I don't want it to be a requirement. The first couple of years, God blessed miraculously. In fact, in, in his autobiography, uh, it, it shows how much he would have gotten if he'd gotten agreed to the paycheck. And then it shows how much they received in those first three years. It was like triple or quadruple the, the amount that was in his original paycheck. God took care of him. But he did that for this purpose, so that they would learn that God can do it greater than they could ever imagine. Because there came a point in time when there were hungry days. Days when they didn't have up two farthings, that was back over in England. And they didn't have anything to rub together. They'd be down to their last meal and no, and no money to go buy anything else. And, and it, they, they would pray and God would provide. Listen, he went uh, from pastoring that church and, and continued to pastor that church, uh, but by start, then started orphanages and started taking care of children that, that were living on the streets and, and people bringing their kids. And, and listen, they never once went around and said, hey, can you guys give us money? They never required anything from anybody bringing a child. They never charged anybody any money. They didn't advertise saying, hey, we have a need. They just prayed. And there are some amazing, miraculous answers to prayer if you read through there. And, and, and they're all recorded. And you, you can find this stuff out. It's, 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 it's open information. But there were times when they didn't have food to feed 100 children. And the, 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 bread, the bread wagon broke down outside and they had food suddenly. Because they didn't want to go bad. Not them, but the guy who was driving it. Bringing milk for, for, for the kids. Listen, God can provide and God can take care of us. But listen, he requires that we pray. There are people that have an amazing prayer life because they learned to pray and not to give up. There are times when his faith was challenged, by the way, as well. One of my favorites is an account of they had a bill, uh, a very large bill that needed to be paid by a certain date. And they didn't have the money. They didn't have any money for it. And he prayed for that, knowing the date was coming, prayed for it for Three weeks. And until the day that it was due, he didn't have anything. 
on the day that it was due, the mail came in, and in the mail was a check for the exact amount for what they owed. It was a check that was sent from a small island, mailed five weeks before. It just took so long for it to get there. You know what that taught him and, and teach, should teach all of us? God knew what the need was long before. And, and provided for it long before. He just, wanted to, he just wanted him to pray until we got there. You know, there are times where God just wants us to continue praying. In fact, we, that, that we, we read that, that earlier. Uh, uh, knocking you shall receive. Uh, or asking you shall receive. Knocking shall be opened unto you. The, the, the words mean knocking, asking, receiving. Don't stop. Have faith. Trust God. But, but don't quit praying. But, but here's the problem with most of Christianity today. And it's, it, it's in the same chapter down here in verse 8. Luke chapter 18, look at verse 8 with me. Right after teaching this, teaching this uh, parable on how to pray and not faint, he says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Speaking of God avenging for his own elect, he says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Listen, we pray because of faith. We keep praying because we believe God will answer. Here's the question. Will Jesus find us praying? Will he find us with enough faith to pray? Or will we just try to figure it out on our own? And that seems to be the, a malady, a, a problem with us. If, 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 I, if I need something, I figure, I'll figure a way out. I'll fix it. I know who I can go to, to to take care of this need. I know if I if I just spread this out there and I whisper it around some people, they'll hear me and they'll they'll fix it for me. No. The first thing we should ever do is to go into our secret place and shut the door behind us. And you gotta get on our knees and go to our Heavenly Father. Who the Bible teaches us is the giver of all good gifts. And pray. Why was it necessary for Christ to pray? God in the flesh. I want you to notice a few verses. Turn over to Acts chapter 2, verse 22. And I already touched on this, so we won't be here for too long. But Sometimes I get ahead of myself. Acts 2, 22. Why do you need to pray? It says, you men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you. Now again, I already touched on this, but... Jesus Christ, while he was, while he is God in the flesh, while he did in him dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, was flesh. John, John chapter 1 tells us the, the word became flesh. But Jesus Christ, the man, was submitted to do the will of the Father. See, we think, of, we think of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father. We think of God. We think of the Trinity. And, and, and they are co-equal. Amen? There is not one greater than the other. The Holy Spirit is God. Jesus is God. And the Father is God. But there are three separate persons. And just like, just like my wife is just as smart and as good and as equal as me, we also see... Actually, smarter than me, by the way, uh, uh, and prettier, uh, much, much prettier. Uh, uh, but, 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 God, God demonstrates the authority and the position, even in the Godhead. 
You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Look over with me to Matthew chapter, where is it? Sorry, John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 34 says this, Jesus saith unto them, My meat, and he's talking to the disciples after he uh, witnessed the woman at the well, he says, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and finish his work. Remember, who sent him? The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. He was submitted under the authority of the Father. Man, I wish we would submit under the authority of God. We call Jesus Christ Lord. And, and in fact, Jesus confronted some, some of his followers. He said, you, say, you call me Lord, but you don't do the things that I say. Jesus is a perfect example of, of, of as, as a man. He was the perfect man. He was in the flesh. And yes, in him, uh, he was God. But he lived a sinless life, not as God, but as man. Tempted like we were, yet without sin. Not because he was God, because he was submitted to the Father and to the Spirit of God. Can I prove it? Yes. Here it tells us that he was submitted unto the will of the Father. John chapter 5, verse 19. It says, Then answered Jesus and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. Who is the Son? Jesus. Notice it's, it's a... It, it capital S says, can do nothing of himself, but what he ne seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. And the, the Son, Jesus, did what the Father would have him to do. He was submitted unto the authority of the Father. Uh, he didn't just walk willy-nilly and do what he wanted. He did what the Father led him to do. Turn over to, uh, to John chapter 5, verse 30. John chapter, you don't have to turn, it's right there. John chapter 5, verse 30, he says, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I, hear, I, as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. You know what this means? That not only is he the greatest example, because he's perfect, he's the greatest model. If we want to live and be pleasing unto God, our Heavenly Father, we don't just follow the example of Jesus Christ, because listen, there are, there, are, there are lots of examples of things out there that we can't meet up with. And listen, in ourselves, we can't be perfect either. But because he was submitted unto the Father and led and filled by the Spirit of God, he is our perfect model. He was our perfect model. He was in submission to the will of the Father. And in that, that caused him to be dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit. Many times we think that he did these things all by himself. The miracles that he performed. The healing he performed. He's Jesus. He can do those things. He needed the work of the Spirit. I'm going to, show, I'm going to prove that to you. And in the things that he did, in the places he went, guess what? He was led by the Holy Spirit. Look, up, look with me over to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. You know this account or this, this passage. Jesus has just been baptized. The clouds have, have opened up. The Father, the Father speaks to the Son. And the Holy Spirit descends like the dove. He says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. 
The very next verse, the beginning of the next chapter says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was submitted to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit for his work. What does the Bible, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, tell us to do? Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does Galatians chapter 5 tell us? To walk in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit. What does that mean? We are to follow the example that Jesus Christ laid out for us. We are to follow that model. If he can do it, we can do it too. And you say, well, I, I, listen, we, I, I'm saved and I have the Holy Spirit within me. Yes, you do. Romans teaches us that if, if you're saved, uh, that you have the Holy Spirit. First John says that you have an unction, that, you ha that you've been anointed with the Holy Spirit. Praise God for that. Uh, but there's a difference between being indwelt by the Holy Spirit and being filled by the Holy Spirit. You can look it up later, Acts chapter 6, uh, when they were having a problem within the church, uh, they decided to, to, to deal with it. By uh, The problem within the church was that there were widows that were, weren't being taken care of because the church had grown so fast. And people began to complain, so they said, listen, we're going we're gonna to fix this. You guys appoint men, we call them deacons now, uh, to, to be servants. And do you know what they did? They said, here are the qualifications. Full of the Holy Ghost is number one. See, they're all part of the church, which means they're all indwelt with by the Spirit, right? Amen. Yes. They received the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, so they were all indwelt with the Holy Spirit. But they weren't full of the Holy Spirit. Only some of them were. They were able to look and see. It tells me a couple things. There are some Christians that are not walking in the Spirit. You know why? Because they aren't submitted to the leadership of the Spirit of God in their life. They're not full of the Holy Spirit. And you can tell if somebody is. And you can tell if somebody isn't. Jesus here was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was led by the Holy Spirit. It's a word of, as, as, if, as, as if somebody took him by the hand and walked him around. He was submitted, submitted to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and that Spirit led him up into the wilderness to pray and to fast and to be tempted of Satan. Look with me to verse 14 of chapter 4. And Jesus, this is after that temptation, and the, the devil has departed him for a season. Verse 14, and Jesus did what? He returned in the power of the Spirit into the Galilee, and there went out fame of him through all the region round about. Again, he's filled with the Spirit. Why is he filled with the Spirit? Do you know what happens? Man, he spent a month fasting and praying. The Bible tells us, and actually Luke chapter 11, if you continue reading on towards the end of the chapter, the, the Father is more than happy to give the Holy Spirit to any child who asks of him. What was he doing up in the, for those 40 days? Yes, he was being tempted, but he was praying and fasting because that was the beginning of his ministry. Man, anytime God is calling us into something, calling us to do something, we need to spend some time fasting and praying and seeking the power of the Holy Spirit. This whole walk with Jesus thing, 23 families, most of them are not from this church. Praise God that many people will hear the gospel and get to see the final week of Christ's life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. They'll get to hear the gospel. They'll get to see what, it really, what Easter really is all about. It isn't about the chocolate eggs and all the other candy and the rabbits and all that stuff. It's about Jesus. Jesus Christ. But more than the, the editing, which I, I 
listen, I'm thankful for, for Brother Dave because I cannot edit. I'm thankful for those that came in and decorated because I cannot decorate. I'm thankful for all those that did all of those things. What we need more than all of that is people to pray that the Holy Spirit will work. And pray and not faint. Continuing on. You see, he was filled with the Holy Spirit here. And in verse, uh, down to verse 18 through 21, Luke chapter 4. It says this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus. He's reading a, a passage of Scripture uh, out of Isaiah uh, to in the synagogue. Verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach the deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all that were in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. He was the fulfillment of that passage of Scripture. He got up in the synagogue. This was a passage they've heard, read before. They've they, they talked about it. They've discussed it. And he said, I am the fulfillment of this Scripture. But what did that Scripture say? The Holy Spirit had come upon him and filled him because he had been sent there to preach and to heal. Again, he submitted to the Spirit of God. Luke chapter 5, verse 17 Notice this, and it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there, was a that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And I have this underlined in my Bible. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Why would it specifically say here that the power was present to heal them if there were other times when the, when the power wasn't present to heal He's Jesus. He can do whatever he wanted. No. He could do what the Father wanted him to do and what the Spirit of God led him to do and empowered him to do. Chapter 6, verse 19, and you don't have to turn there. We already mentioned it. The passage of Scripture where the woman touched the hem of his garment. And he stopped and turned and looked at her and said that virtue had gone out of him. Can I, can I say this? When, when, we, when, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and God is using you and, and you're, you're, you're serving, listen, I'm not talking about, uh, I don't perform miracles, I don't, I'm not talking about that thing, but listen, if God, if God fills me with the Spirit during a message and, and I, mean, I preach my heart out using the gifts that God has given me, doing exactly what, what he wanted me to do, at the end of it, I am exhausted. You say, well, you just work one day a week. You don't know how many times I hear that, Brother Dan. All you do, no, listen, the, the work that I do, I'm not, I'm, talking about, I'm not trying to glorify me. I just want to get, get away from that. I'm not trying to glorify me. Any preacher that's filled with the Spirit of God is exhausted when they're done, not because walking around up here and talking takes a lot of energy and exercise. My, work, my wife works harder than I do every single day of the week. She's, she's taking care of four kids, running a business, and... and Taking care of me. <laughs> she works harder than I do. But there's something when 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 you you've been serving God when you've been and you, the power of God has been going through you. It's exhausting. 
And Jesus felt it. He felt the same thing in Luke, in Luke chapter eight verse forty six. Eight verse forty six. It's a he knew or he knew that that spirit had gone out or that that power had gone out of him. He is a perfect example. Uh, next, uh, prayer was essential to Jesus. This is the end. Our last point for the message. You're all excited. But prayer was essential in his life. Jesus taught us that power comes from secret prayer. Not by our words, not by his words, but by his example. If we're going to, to, to live a life uh, that, that pleases God, if we're going to do anything for the Lord, if we're going to have a close walk with, with the Father, listen, we need to live a life with, that, that includes and is, is led by secret prayer. I Meaning, I'm not praying in front of everybody. I'm not, listen, there's nothing wrong in, with corporate prayer. In fact, the, the Bible teaches that. But that corporate prayer, that, that family prayer, that, that all of that prayer is based upon and built upon the foundation of my own prayer life. When I shut the door in my closet and I get on my knees and I seek the face and the presence of God. Last passage, Mark chapter 1, verse 29 through 37. And if you've ever read the book of Mark, it's, it's written differently than the rest of the Gospels concerning Jesus' ministry. There's a phrase here that we see all, all, all over the place that, that it just it, Mark was known for. And immediately, immediately, apparently Jesus did a lot of things straightway and immediately in the book of Mark. It's a snapshot of the action part of Jesus' Jesus's ministry. But look with me to verse 29. It says this, And forthwith, when they were come out of the, out of the synagogue, sorry, and forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife, uh, his mother, lay sick of a fever, and Annan, uh, they tell him of her. And he came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at even, when the sun did set, they brought them unto him, all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together, together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases, and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. Stop right there. What's going on? He's, he's uh, working in his ministry. Uh, he's come home to Simon Peter's house. Uh, has found her, his mother-in-law sick, and he heals her. He was a good, God was good because he healed even the mother-in-law. <clears throat> I'm only kidding. My, my mother-in-law may be watching, and I love, I love, I love my in-laws. I'm, I'm only, I'm only teasing about that. But I want you to understand this. He, he, he healed her. And when you, when, when you do something in the power of the Holy Spirit, what happens? Strength goes out of you. At, the next verse says, at even, when the sun went down, the crowds came. Now, why did they wait till evening? Because it was the Sabbath. And you weren't supposed to do anything. But they knew he was in town. They heard about it. And they, they were all waiting to get there. They all heard that Jesus was, was out and about. And he was healing. And he's at Simon Peter's house. We know that he's there. So, so it was almost like a starting line in a race. Uh, you ever seen the, the, the old, the old uh, the film of uh, when they opened up the, the, the territories to the, to, the, to the people that they were giving away free ground? 
It's like a certain date. You've seen it, brother. They, 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 they said go, and all the all the wagons, the people on the horses, and the families were all trying to rush to get to that land because they were giving away free land. And people died in the process of that because they got trampled. And I, I can imagine that people were sitting in their homes, watching, they didn't have watches back then, looking at the sundial or watching the sun go down. And as soon as it wasn't Sabbath anymore, man, they got their sick one, their loved one, the one who needed help, the one who was dying, and they picked them up and they raced to Jesus. And they surrounded the house and they beat on the door. And until it was done, he healed them. He took care of them. Listen, you know why he did it? Yes, he was God. Yes, he could perform miracles. He did it because he loved them and he was compassionate enough. The power was on him to heal. He healed, he cast out the devils, uh, blinding them so that they couldn't speak and reveal who he was. And he, he did all that till late at night. Listen, it didn't start until it got dark. I don't know about you, but I, I can guarantee you he was exhausted after all of that. He was tired from, from, from all the works. That he was God, but in the flesh, he, he was exhausted from all of that. I don't know about you, but when I work hard, especially late at night, I like to sleep. But I have a feeling Jesus didn't get much sleep. Look at the next verse. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And he was tired. He was exhausted. He had been uh, physically, he, he, he had been up healing. And, and listen, they were probably still camped around his house. And, and, and he, he had to get up early before anybody else was, was awake. And he had to get away by himself to meet with the Father. Listen, I, I understand there are times when we need rest. And that, listen, I am not one to tell anybody that you should spend all night praying every night. And never sleep. Because the Bible doesn't teach us that. But the most refreshing thing that we can do, the greatest thing that we can do, is, is live and cultivate a life of solitary, silent, away from everybody else, prayer where we meet with God every single day. And Jesus knew the importance of it. If anybody deserved rest, it was Jesus. The apostles probably would have let him, or the disciples probably would have let him sleep all day if he wanted to. But he woke up before they did. Because he knew that he needed to spend that time with the Father. To be refreshed. And filled with the Spirit. I'm not going to ask you about your prayer life. I'm not going to ask you, uh, ask people about uh, whether or not they, 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 they have family prayer time. I'm not going to ask you whether you come to, 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 to prayer services here. Or, or, listen, I, don't tell me anything, but God knows you, and God knows your heart, and he knows how much time you have spent with him in the last week, in the last month, in the last year. Do you have a daily time where you've set aside to get away from everybody else, to, to, to get on your knees, to get on your face, and just meet with God? So you don't know how hard it is. Listen, come back this afternoon. We're going to talk about practical ways in which we can do that, okay? Listen, this is important. God didn't teach us this and then say, good luck. Figure it out on yourself, for yourself. He teaches us practical ways. We're going, to, we're going to talk about that this afternoon. So come back if you can or watch it if you can. I encourage you to be here. We're going to spend some time in prayer at the end of it. And then we're going to, then we're going to celebrate communion and, and, and spend some time just thinking about what, what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross.
his body and his blood shed for us. But my goodness, if Jesus needed to pray, how much more do we? Father God, I thank you for this day. Thank you for another opportunity to preach, Lord. You know that I'm not worthy. God, I pray that you would have your way in our, in our hearts. Lord, that we wouldn't be distracted. Lord, if your spirit is speaking to us, Lord, that we would just come to you. Seek forgiveness. Lord, help us to make prayer a priority in our life not because we want something from you, Lord, because we need something from you. We need that fellowship. Help us, oh God. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed for a moment.